Hi, I'm Rami. And I'm Shannon. And this is Workplace Hugs. This is a podcast where we talk about interesting things we've read and how it relates to the workplace experience. Our goal here is really simple. We want to help all of us expand our workplace toolkit with a whole bunch of empathy without a whole new degree. Because I don't know about you, but I don't have time for a whole new degree (laughs) right now. We purposely will talk on a topic in different scenarios. We'll hit it at the high level. We'll talk about some ways we've experienced it at the lowest level. And then we'll share some ways that we think you might be able to take this back into your own workplace life. Rami, I know today we're talking about a book and a topic that might get a little bit weird for both of us. The book is called Black Card, right? By mm-hmm. by Chris L. Terry that you read. And I think you said it's a fiction book. It's fiction. Shane, is this our first fiction book? I think this might be our first fiction book ever. But from what you've shared with me, this book is talking about important things that we need to talk about. Like, hello, race diversity, inclusion, equity in the workplace. So we're going to dare to talk about it and kind of see what happens. We might screw some things up along the way, but we're both committed to just like giving it a shot and hoping to help everybody in the process. Yes. So uh, Black Card is written by Chris L. Terry. I actually worked with him Wait, a while back what? ago. Yeah, that's why I read the book because you did he kept not tell me about that it. part. That's awesome. Yeah, and actually, we had too many Chris's at our office, and so I called him Terry, mm. which is his last name. Um, and there probably is already another Chris Terry, which is why he has an L as a middle initial. Mm. So the book is called Black Card. It. I'm going to read this quote. And then we'll get into kind of the premise of the book. But the quote is half white guys who get way into punk rock as a reaction to their black classmates not being into skateboarding. And I think that's basically a summation of the premise of the book. It's a guy, he's split between different groups and worlds. He doesn't know where he fits in because he's half, he's half white, he's half black. Mm. And so he's always kind of threading that line of, am I black enough? Am I like, do I appear black enough? Am I, am I doing black enough things and the whole the whole thing is this magical guy shows up and gives him a black card it says okay here are the things you got to be black enough to have this card and so as a person like him who really struggles with that 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 place in the world where he exists because he doesn't he's not he's not a, a white guy he's not a black guy he's half and half and i think he's he's struggling with where does he fit in is it the punk rock scene is it skateboarding is it whatever it is and i think especially the the thing that hits me hard in this book is people are always having trouble placing his ethnicity mm. because he's mixed race and so people don't jump into oh you're this you're that you're this you're that and i think my brownness is also hard to place i think people always have a difficulty placing my ethnicity yep and I think it's funny because depending on where I'll be, I can kind of blend in as a brown person. Mm. And so uh, I live in Southern California. People will try to talk to me in Spanish. I don't speak Spanish, um, but it's very nice gesture of them to assume that I do. Yeah. Which most people here speak Spanish. So I should probably learn how to speak Spanish, even though I'm not um, Latinx or, or, or Mexican. I remember once I was in Italy and, and I, as a as a as a true tourist, I was wearing my scarf in the way that the Italians do, and I got asked for directions, which was also a delight. <laughs> I think it's it's nice 
in that the ambiguity allows people to think that you are always a part of their group, but I think it also makes it very difficult to find your true group in that if you, if it's, it's tricky, right? Because it's race, right? Like no two people of the same race look the same. No two people of the same ethnicity look the same. No two people from the exact same village look look the same and so those types of things will never change and i think that's the beauty of of humanity is we're all going to be different and similar in different ways there's a really beautiful part in this book and and he's struggling this whole time to find his group Mm. and he's into punk rock but he's like an outsider right because the punk rock scene where he is in Virginia is mostly white people. And so even there in this very niche scene, he's still an outsider in that scene. Yeah. And so there's a moment where he's with uh, another African-American who they're hanging out with. And she refers to them as, as we, and, and it was that moment in the book. I had to put it down and just like sit on that word. We, because it resonated so much, right? Like this person had struggled to find his group, his people, his whatever it was, because there are so many places that he could be a part of, but also not fully a part of any of those, right? Because he wasn't 100% any of those things. And for someone to to embrace him and say like, no, that's who we are, or whatever it was that that they had said in the book, it's that acceptance it's like a warm blanket it's like a a hug and so what i want us to talk about today is really that that word we and how how we look at it and how we embrace it and how i think so much of it has to do with ethnicity and socioeconomics i think those are the deepest we's but i think there's other ones too and i think it's really about how do we how do we there we go i'm already using it how (laughs) how do we find the ways to embrace those we's and and make the our spaces i think more inclusive yeah and even as you're talking about this well I, i will acknowledge like i'm a white woman who grew up about as wide as it comes on a dairy farm in rural Wisconsin. Uh, So while I may not be able to understand or fathom what the experience is like uh, for a person of color, I think all of our listeners, even if you are also as white as they come or whatever in that sense, can relate to a time where you felt excluded, where you felt like the other. And this challenge or this invitation to start to use we language, like, gosh, it really makes you think. You've really got to pause and be more careful about, yeah, am I actually speaking to the collective we? Or am I speaking to me or I or, or whatnot along the way? Oh, this is getting me thinking already. So let's hit this on the most tertiary level. And I would start in you will think that I'm going to get at ethnicity, but I'm not going to. Because I think the most tertiary level is, to me at least, is sports, right? I can walk around with a Vikings hat on. Mm-hmm. And and in the right places, people will say skull to me. <laughs> and and that hits me in my heartstrings, right? I love 
that shared we of we're all Vikings fans. We are all in this this rut of the last 70 years of existence. We will never win a Super Bowl. But we we share that feeling. Yeah. Right? We share those ups. We share those downs. And I think there is something really nice about that. And I even think, so I'm in Southern California, which makes me both a Lakers fan and a Dodgers fan. And there's something about walking around with a Lakers jersey on and seeing another person with Lakers jersey on and both like being really excited about that because we found we found our our one connection, right? Yeah. I don't know that guy. I will never see that guy again. But like we both like the Lakers and that's kind of fun. Yeah, yeah, I I can't relate to this in a lot of ways because I'm not a big sports person. But where I can, I can remember when I was first dating my husband. My husband went to the Ohio State University, the, <laughs> the Ohio State University, and I wore his. He played uh, roller hockey there, and I wore his roller hockey fleece. And somebody in the grocery store was like, "Oh, H," <laughs> and I was like, and "You finished with I O?" Well, I. I was like, what? I We were very newly dating. So I was like, what, what's happening? I don't know what this is. But there is this subtle thing. And it, and it will still happen now to our family when anybody in our family is wearing Ohio State paraphernalia. Um, be on a run, be on a walk, whatever. O-H-I-O, O-H-I-O, like whatever it is. Or go pack go or, or whatever your yeah, sport Sorry, I, I think we need to erase that, that previous <laughs> statement you made. Yes, I am a Packers fan. I grew up in Wisconsin, so it's, it's the only way to be. But it does create that sense of camaraderie or like, yeah, we're on the same team. And what's coming for me in this moment is thinking about like, how am I creating those moments of we're on the same team mm-hmm. with other people or, or searching for those synergies, even when you think they're there is no freaking way you have anything in common. It's it's so interesting. And I think people who have struggled with their we's, their us's, have, have found those by taking the most minuscule things. I wear glasses. I compliment people on their glasses uh, as frequently as I get the opportunity to, because that makes us a we. And I think because because I've lacked in we's, I've overextended myself into having as many as possible. Mm. And so even as something as small as, oh, you also wear glasses, I like your glasses. And then maybe it's from there we spark that conversation. But like that, that that's the smallest, I think, that you can make a stretch for trying to find that shared ground. Because people don't really share, like, these are my beliefs. I've got them printed on my shirt. Yeah. And, I mean, some people is, do, but yeah. Some people do. <laughs> but for the most part, like, it's like, oh, you're wearing, like, very whatever colors. You're wearing this. Like, there's nothing pronounced in what you're wearing. You're not wearing your your Prince t-shirt. Right. And you and I can talk about how much we both like Prince, right? And why Purple Rain is great and all these things. Like, without people sharing those, their their beliefs or their, their passions... It's hard to quickly get into those. You can't just walk with somebody and be like, oh, I really, uh, nice blonde hair. I also yeah. have blonde hair. Should we talk about that? Like, <laughs> yes. is this natural? Are we dyeing it? How yes. frequently? Like, yes. th- it, like those, those aren't things that you can converse about. So that's why I say, like, I think it's funny that f- for me and 
as we talk about this, I'm, I'm realizing that, but like, I've always complimented people's glasses. That's glasses so beautiful. Wearing. And I also can't remember any time you've complimented me on mine. So I'm not going to take yeah. that personally. I, as, as I started saying that, you're like pointing at your glasses. <laughs> yeah, come on. You're now, like taking like, them off. You're notice. cleaning them. <laughs> I never wear them. I think that's really beautiful that you do that. And I'm going to be really vulnerable and say, I don't know that I do that. I don't know. A lot of people think I'm an extra. I think it's like I take it back to extrovert introvertedness. A lot of people think I'm an extrovert. But I recharge introvertedly hugely. So if people see me out and about, I'll be kind of like <laughs> cloistered, if you will. And I don't mean to be uh, not in a we in that moment, but it's a little bit, yeah, I don't know. I've, I've got some weird feelings about that. I'm just like making small talk with a stranger. And I'm wondering how much too, the other thought that was coming to mind as you were talking about this is, I feel like in our culture today, we've got this obsession with individuality. Mm-hmm. Like we just want to be s- s- seen as individuals. And in this moment, I'm wondering, how is that harming us? You know, that we're not able to find the common threads that do tie or weave us all together. I think what's interesting is um, it comes back to like small talk. And I, I think some of it is like, how much do you deal with silence? And how much do you not want to deal with silence with strangers? And mm. so part of that for me is like, I would rather just talk to somebody. Um, and so apart from glasses, which I will always compliment, except for your Shannon, um, <laughs> take that however you'd like. Uh, I always compliment people when they have like interesting hair or unique hair. Um, and so I, cause I have semi interesting and unique hair as well. And so, I always like the conversations that that leads down when I'm like, Oh, I really like your hair. And they're like, Oh yeah. I'm like, Oh, how do you like, how do you get it to that volume? That, that bounce, that lusciousness of curl volume. And I, and I think because it's like a shared thing. Cause it's like, Oh, I care about my hair. This is what my hair looks like. You care about your hair or at least have chosen to style it in that way. Like there's some amount of energy being put towards it. Like that, that for me is finding that like common we, that common thread and it allows for at least a a halfway decent conversation. Maybe I'll get something out of it. I think it's so difficult to do that 99% of the time though, because people are not giving you anything to work with. Well, and I'm trying to go back to work contexts, you know, of like, okay, so maybe it's not the stranger at the grocery store or the person that runs past you in the park that says OHIO. Uh, but how do we get these conversations of finding the wheeze in the workplace? I think, I think it's glasses, still... sports. <laughs> but that's where it is. It's being vulnerable, right? Like being vulnerable it doesn't doesn't always mean like sharing your deepest, darkest secrets. But sometimes it's, oh, I'm a Vikings fan. And I know that predominantly here, there's a lot of Packer fans. Yeah. And so for me to do that is me being vulnerable or choosing to be vulnerable in this state. So, yes, Shannon, I can walk over your desk, see a filthy piece of green and gold, (laughs) green and yellow. What do you guys call it? Green and um, don't eat that. Don't eat that snow color. Yeah. Sure. That's the color. Whatever. And I think it's it's th- that allows us to have that conversation, right? Because you've decided to or or um, 
to put up those those ornaments that that coloring of yourself that vulnerability of yourself in your cube but think about shannon if your cube had no decoration in it and i walked over to you i said hey shannon how was your weekend you go yeah it was great cool and that's the end of that and that's the end of that like there's no i think that's where a lot of people struggle in workplaces is people aren't being vulnerable enough to show you any part of them to allow you to find the we. Okay, this is reminding me. Can I? This might be a sidetrack. I apologize. I think Let's we go. talked about this now. So it reminds me of an exercise that they had us do at Target when Target was trying to become a more inclusive workplace. And they had us do, it was called the Dimensions of Difference. So this was like getting to depth because I, I personally, honestly, like I just don't have a lot of capacity for the small talk the the bs <laughs> like that's just not i'm like let's go deeper not at all <laughs> um so i can remember my boss who led a team of 60 probably at that point more maybe getting up in front of the room and walking through this flower petal of the things that made her different to lead by example in that sense and her telling a story about how her sister became a teen mom and how that forever impacted her and like what organizations she supports socially and the things. And it was just, and she started to cry. And I was like, holy crap, like we are getting in it. I had no idea. And her family's socioeconomic status and how that's kind of made her feel like she's to prove herself all along. And there was just so much that I could finally relate to in this person that I otherwise was like, I don't think I have anything in common with you. Like you probably mm-hmm. have some like big fancy house in Edina. That's not me or my MO. Like I grew up on a farm. Arm, like whatever you don't know anything about me no i have not milked a cow by hand before you know like whatever all these stereotypes <laughs> that people want to put out there and then doing it with my team and seeing my team start to find commonalities of like uh wow i have these political beliefs and no one else in my family shares them or wow i grew up this way and now i'm married to a black man and i grew up in rural ely and nobody gets it you know so yeah. It's just so beautiful when we let ourselves go to that depth. But I do think there is this like baseline of trust that needs to be found Mm -hmm. first. And I don't know that you always have to get to it through the shallow ways. And maybe it's not trust. Maybe it's respect, you know, of just like we're going to respect whatever gets put out there. Yeah, I think it takes a really safe space to be willing to open up in that way. Cause it's not like the, the thing that, that I, I find really nice about what you're talking about is there's nothing that your boss could have decorated their office with to tell you those things. Heck no. Like, not at all. And honestly, even since then, we've bonded tremendously because there's a nonprofit that I am deeply involved with that she wasn't familiar with that we talked about that I was like, hey, do you do you know about this nonprofit? Like, they're basically like, doing what you do. And she still donates to them. And she's trying to get on the board. You know, it's like, yeah, you know, like, good <laughs> stuff can happen. But yeah, there would be no way for me to know that about her whatsoever. Had we not done that exercise. Well, and I think that's the part that I think is so interesting is how do you get to that space? And and look, we're talking about workplace hugs here, right? So it's like, how do you, how do you set up the vulnerability for your team to have those types of conversations? And how do you, how do you get there? Right? Because 
the two, I think the two deepest ones, the ones that I think will connect us at the deepest level and also be the most difficult to talk about are our ethnic and socioeconomic backgrounds. Yeah. Right. And those aren't things that people feel comfortable a lot of time talking about. I have never um, shied away from if people are asking me genuinely about my ethnicity or background, like I will, I will tell them, right? I, I remember growing up in Minnesota, people would say, oh, well, where are you from? And I'd say, I'm St. Paul, capital of the state. Yeah. They'd say, no, but where are you from? I'd say, oh, yeah, no, no, I was born in Ohio. Yeah. O-H-I-O. Yeah. <laughs> on the on the Ohio State campus, Shannon. Really? On the Ohio State campus. I didn't yeah, know Riverside. that about you. I was born at Riverside Hospital. Wow. Yeah. But I think it's when people are, that's when people are just like, we don't know what you are. You're brown. Tell us what you are. Right? I, I don't think that's a fair question. And I'm going to answer it in an unfair way. I think if people really care, like I will tell them, right? Like, this is my background. I'm from Nazareth. My family's from Nazareth. If you want to call me Rami of Nazareth, that is totally fine. Other people have taken on that uh, adjective as well. I wouldn't put myself on their level. I would put myself a thousand <laughs> leagues below them. Other people uh, being Jesus. <laughs> Jesus of Nazareth. But that's where I say, like, if, if people are asking me genuinely, like, we can talk about it. I have no, I have no issue talking about that. I think it's... How do you how do you start to have those conversations to find the wheeze? Yeah. And I think it's tricky because it's not like you can say, oh, Shannon, how did you grow up? What was your socioeconomic background? And you say, well, there's 12 of us. And yeah, uh, well, clearly no one that has 12 kids is sorry. How many of you are there? There. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it depends on how you want to count it. There are 12. There are 12. Oh, I was right. But that's what I'm saying. Like, it's not like that would come up in Shannon's just like walking around telling everybody like, I'm number 12. Hey, everybody. Yeah. See me? I'm number 12. 12 of what, Shannon? Right. Counting to a dozen? Right. You're the last one to count to a dozen? <laughs> cool. You know, there's 12 people in your family? Like, that's crazy. So that's where I say like, those things don't come up. And I think even in the most uh, genuine and safe spaces, it's still a hard thing to talk about. Yeah, and and you and I talked about this a little bit preparing for this conversation, and I'm so grateful for it because the observation that I had on myself personally is, and maybe this isn't true for everybody, but for me, I notice I am oddly more comfortable talking with more like tertiary people in my life about issues of race or whatnot or controversial topics in the workplace than I am with some of the closest people in my life. Like Rami and I hadn't had a lot of deep conversations about his experience growing up brown or whatnot. And I realized it's because, oh, well, I really care about Rami and I'm afraid I'm going to offend Rami and I'm going to ask the wrong thing and da, da 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 But yet I can remember having really beautiful conversations with my uh, Latinx employees or my black employees about like, Hey, what's your experience of being a person of color at Target? Can we talk about that? Cause I want to make sure you're having a damn good one. You know, like why, like, why am I weird like that? Um, and and I, I want to share that in this episode more for other people to reflect to be like, where are you being weird about it? It's so interesting. Cause I think even even as a minority, right? I'm a brown person. There's a lot of times where you're not the right minority. 
there yeah. was a organization at Target that was for um for black people that was we're going to connect you with mentors in different parts of the company right you're going to get a vp you're going to get a director they're going to be your mentors and you're going to you're going to upwards mentor them they're going to they're going to mentor you and that's how that works and i said this is a cool like hey can i join this thing and they're like well no you can't join it why not well it's for black people okay cool so do we have a arab one like do we have one for arab people or yeah no all right cool so i think even within like being a minority in a space you're still uh you're still not in us if you're not the right kind and i think that's something that that is also difficult to deal with in a lot of these spaces yeah is like still being the wrong one right even when it comes to arab right like i'll talk to people and they're like oh i'm arab too like where are you from and then you have the conversation they go oh so it's not an us situation right like we are still we're still not the same like even though we're the same we're still not the same yeah and i think that's where it hits at a different level because you're like oh maybe we did find a a we right and it's like we are a we at this this like ten thousand foot level but we're not a we at a at a 10 foot level yeah we're not a we at a at a one foot a 10 inch level and i think that makes all the difference in so many uh issues that are i won't go to world because i maybe don't know but our country is facing of like how do we find the we's like i would be totally vulnerable and ag- admit growing up as i wouldn't say sheltered but as unexposed as i did uh, where my beliefs were when i was 18 graduating from high school are a drastically different place than where they are now having moved from rural Somerset, Wisconsin to a big city and being exposed to people from many different backgrounds, religiously, uh, politically, uh, racially. And I think it's through that exposure that we build the collective we like, but if you don't, if you don't have a black person that you care about in your life, if you don't have uh, a Latinx person in your life that you care about, like, yeah, some of these issues are just going to kind of like, Oh, whatever. I don't have to care about that. I don't have to care about diversity and inclusion in my workplace. Like, it'll be fine. But mm-hmm. it feel it starts to feel real different when it's your friend, when it's, in my case, my daughter, who's black. Like, it starts to feel real different real quick. I think we also, we also, when it comes to socioeconomic backgrounds, I think make a lot of very quick judgments and assumptions. I worked in an office once where there was no microwave. Mm. And so you had no choice in heating up your food outside of an oven, which if you can explain to me how you heat up soup in an oven, (laughs) I will take all your advice. And so what it did was it forced the majority of the office to um, like eat out. Go out to lunch. Which which is expensive, right? And so there was a really easy line of these people can afford to eat lunch every day, like go out and buy a lunch every day, and these people cannot. And so they're living within the infrastructure that exists, right? So you're finding a way to not purchase a frozen meal, which would be super economical and fairly healthy if you pick the right ones, and a, a, an easy way for someone who makes less money to 
eat lunch every day. Yeah. And and having to either forego lunch or eat something worse and then spend money for that thing. And I think it it inherently divides the socioeconomic backgrounds without knowing that it's doing that. Yeah. And it's interesting you bring up socioeconomic because I don't identify myself I I did I don't identify myself as growing up rich. I grew up a farmer's daughter, so we were always cash poor but land rich. You know, I knew we had assets so to speak, but mm-hmm. I don't see it in like what we yep. were driving or wearing or anything. My mom's favorite store is Goodwill. I think what's what I wonder if what's different for me about that experience is maybe it's because of like the farming identity. I carry a lot of pride from the fact that I grew up blue collar in a uh-huh. way that maybe others don't. Uh, I'm like proud of that. You know, I'm like, I can, yeah, like I can hack it. You know, I don't know if it's something about work ethic or what, but like, that's not a thing for me, but I would have never thought about that microwave example that you gave of like, I don't know. I just wouldn't have noticed it. And it's powerful to think about those little nuances that maybe we're not noticing of how we're, uh, hierarchying ourselves or classing ourselves Mm -hmm. or othering ourselves when we don't even realize it. Yeah. So I think let's swing to more tactical pieces then. Yeah. In that I think, look, there's a lot of ways when we're inadvertently excluding and inadvertently not being um, inclusive or, or making people feel that, that warmth of the we So I think the question is, how do we start to find that? And I think we've hit a few of those, right? Like when it comes to more tertiary things and people are willing to share those, whether they're sports affiliations, i.e. a good choice like the Vikings or or in Chan's case, a (laughs) poor choice like the Packers or or one that we can both line on, right? Like the Ohio State, Shannon, my birthplace, the the university. Yes. uh, The Buckeyes. Um, I think in those cases, it's really easy because people are willing to share those. And I don't think people see it as a vulnerability to share those, but I think it is a vulnerability to share those, to be willing to share that you like that thing. Because yeah. people are always ready to like ridicule you or boo you, right? Mm. I think I see so many Packer fans that I want to boo all the time. <laughs> and I don't because... Me every I, Thursday when we podcast record. You just can't. I you boo just you, want to I boo. boo you a lot. I do boo you a lot, Shannon. Because <laughs> I don't want to boo people in public, but I do want to scold when I see a Vikings shirt. Like that gets me really pumped. Yeah. I get really excited. Hmm, I don't. <laughs> so yeah, that's really great for us to illustrate how to not find the we. <laughs> no, but I'm saying like I think when they're when people are willing to share the we it's how do you embrace that and how do you how do you also share your version of that right maybe it's that you're a 49ers fan and i'm a vikings fan and we can we can have those conversations and that lets us be a we because our we becomes that we both like to talk about football or maybe the we is that shannon got coffee from a coffee place that i really like and so we're gonna start talking about coffee or i see shannon eating breakfast soup and (laughs) breakfast soup is my thing i like gazpacho and breakfast uh, soup is my thing now you can put two uh, two eggs on anything and it makes it breakfast in my opinion at some point two eggs on soup becomes ramen i think that too i've wondered but there's no noodles so 
Anyways, lots of beautiful examples on how I think the biggest tactical thing that it sounds like we're wanting you to take away is how can we find the wheeze? And you can choose your depth of excavation here. What what level are you ready to go or ready to experiment or try with and play on it? I think also be willing to be the one to be vulnerable and show your passions. Yeah. I think that also helps a lot, right? Because a lot of time it's like, we want to, we want to dig, we want to find from other people. But my advice is how do you, how do you be vulnerable and show those things from yourself, right? Whether it's, you want to talk about your favorite band or your favorite TV show or whatever it is, right? If we all want to talk about the bachelorette or I think more excitingly, Great British Bake Off, I think those are things that people get really passionate about and give you a we, right? Like we can talk about this thing every week and we can start a a baking club and, and we can do these things. I think finding those commonalities sometimes just takes you being willing to be vulnerable and allowing people in just a little bit. I love that of you encouraging yourself to own it and be responsible for sharing first to create more of a culture of sharing and openness and vulnerability and the we. Beautiful. With that, we'd love for you to check us out on Instagram at Workplace Hugs. And I'd love to hear from you guys. How do you find the wheeze in your workplace? Or what wheeze have you found maybe in your workplace? I've been Shannon. I've been Rami. And this has been Workplace Hugs. Workplace Hugs.